0: Trending News, right now.
1: Let's look at hashtags and headlines in terms of the last 24 hours with Mighty Jamie on this Tuesday. Researcher, analyst and social political commentator. How are you, uh, Mighty, today? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much. And uh, let's get straight to it. Uh, Starting Mm -hmm. off on a political note, hashtag mabuza resignation uh deputy president uh, david mabuza who's or resi- or oh, who was talking about resigning this was announced at the sidelines of a funeral in pumalanga on saturday so political parties who are in opposition have weighed in on this situation and they're saying it's not normal
0: well i think it's, it's- kind of normal if you think about the way that the ANC has been operating. If you remember, was voted out of being the leader of Wajulu Natal in terms of being the chairperson of the ANC in Wajulu Natal. And shortly thereafter, he tendered his resignation so that he could pave way for the new leadership of Wazuli Natal. And if we know ANC politics. We know that sometimes if you don't enjoy any support, you are on your way out, basically. And how can we ascertain uh, David Mabuda's uh, level of support? Is that, number one, he did not really contest for the deputy presidency position, but also that he's not a member of the a- ANC National Executive Committee so from those two uh you know performances at the uh, elective conference you could see that he was already on a on a, on a week week so to speak but then we didn't also attend the AMC liport and um, they already had been announcements from certain you know social media uh, news platforms that you know this guy has actually resigned but they are trying to manage that announcement so that somapoza the, the can have time to sort of work around the um cabinet or so state of the nation without this becoming one of the discussions. But he then decided to actually accelerate the conversation by stating it publicly where the media could not avoid you know, covering that particular announcement because it has been announced by some Twitter uh, you know, news platform or the you know, gossip site or whatever. You may think that this is not a real thing but he has now actually said, I'm out, I've already told these people. And then he started seeing the news that President Ramaphosa has not accepting the the resignation. The resignations don't work like that, Um, you know, and that they're trying to manage the modalities of his exit. And all of that is to say that this is very sensitive and, you know, we're trying to make sure everything is in place so that we can do whatever adjustments need to be made. So obviously we have two um, vacancies now, three actually that uh, exist on that particular cabinet. You have the vice presidency position, you have um, transport secretary, then you have several others which... Have been created by people moving to different jobs. And now all of those have to be filled. We saw several members uh, of the ANC4 actually being sworn in yesterday, including Thomas Attila, who won the vice presidency of the ANC. And now it seems that we're on a clear path to become the vice president of South Africa. But it seems as if there's some concerns in the Ramapoza camp about Thomas Attila being so close to the presidency because. At this point, President Ramaphosa is in his second term of ANC presidency, meaning that he's already weak within the ANC. There's no more term of presidency after this. You know, you get into what the Americans call a lame duck period of presidency, and also there are still a few scandals uh, which are unresolved. You know, we haven't seen the public protector report. We haven't heard back from the Hawks. We haven't heard back from around all of the things related to Palapala. So those who are within the Ramaphosa, you know, political, you know, nexus uh, may be very worried that they're seeing a new resurgence from what was known as the ideal section. you know. A lot of Hauden-based politicians now showing themselves to be on the come-up, so to speak, you know, and that may be a concern just in terms of politically. But those are the dynamics. I wouldn't say it's very unusual, What is unusual is the management of the messaging around this, because if he has resigned, you should just tell the people. And then, you know, the cabinet. So, what is the actual
1: protocol? What is the protocol when it comes to the vice presidency position changing, the announcements, as well as what follows after that?
0: Well, I mean, we haven't had a lot of these, so there isn't like a a big protocol, but if someone resigns, typically you would tell us this person has resigned, they have given this kind of uh, notice. And then, you know, at some point you have to reshuffle that particular. You have to appoint someone to that to that vacancy. You can't sit as a country without a vice presidency because what happens if something happens to the president? There needs to be someone who can take up that position. But it looks as if what was happening is that they wanted to manage the um, calendar, so to speak. Because as we know, February is a very big month politically for South Africa. You have the state of the nation, you have uh, in opening of parliament, state of the nation, and then also you have the budget speech. And now you have to deal with this uh, third element, which is how will the cabinet be restructured? Because as you say, there are two big vacancies there and that those need to be filled. So it looks as if the presidency was trying to manage the timeline so that they wouldn't have a lot of uh, you know, um, media attention on this unstable element and have something that they could control. Because so you can control state of the nation because you write that speech. You can control the budget uh, discussion because you write that speech. But a cabinet reshuffle that also shows the instability in your own government. And you don't necessarily want that when you're trying to say everything is fine, the budget is fine, we're going to have a good year. And those seem to be the dynamics that are the way way play here.
1: So on that hashtag cabinet reshuffle, economists have put in their... Uh, opinions and they are urging our president Ramaphosa to reshuffle the cabinet. And uh, this is a move that will save South Africa, according to them. The call is not so strange. I mean, looking at the fact that the ANC, which rules the country, recently had its own changes after the National Executive Committee elections.
0: Yeah, you know, people are, are calling for, you know, a strong cabinet to be put in place because the challenges of the country is facing are quite. Vast. I mean, there are only three that I mentioned, you know, poverty, unemployment, and inequality. And if you would scrape even further than that, I would say the quality of education, the quality of healthcare, and also the high debt burden that is being experienced by many South Africans. As we saw recently, about 75% of South Africans are over indebted. So it shows that you need to do a variety of things. Right? you need to fix what's happening in your classrooms. You need to fix what's happening in small business. You need to fix what's happening in healthcare, and you need to address also what's happening in, in, in the finance department because people are overextending. But we're not really going to see a lot of those kind of changes because a lot of those are ministers are within the um, you know political influence uh, circle of President Ramaphosa. So we're not going to see a lot of changes. So the challenge that exists is that a cabinet can only be appointed from the pool of, of members of parliament that exist. You can appoint from the opposition benches When we saw last time. President Ramaphosa appointed one or two people who were not uh, from the ANC, appointed, for instance, Patricia de Leo from the good party You can only appoint two people who are not members of parliament. so there are there are a lot of limitations around what you can do, and the, as we know, the cabinet is quite quite a large cabinet. So the economists are calling for a change in cabinet, calling for a qualified and technocratic cabinet. I'm not necessarily going to see this. We are going to see, obviously, Pak uh going into possibly a cabinet position. We're going to see, uh, you know, a, a few changes in that respect. But I don't think that it will be the kind of changes that will say to people that this is a fresh, brand new cabinet. So the president has to work within, you know, the, the, the confines of what the ANC has provided him and also, you know, what he um, relies upon in respect of who the ANC members who are senior who support him are so those are the dynamics that it so if you were to then look back and say okay i think there's a challenge in education i think there's a challenge in small business i think there's a challenge in healthcare will you see necessarily changes in those ministries maybe not
1: let's move overseas hashtag turkey turkey and hashtag syria uh, after the earthquake that struck the two world leaders are now pledging Assistance. So a 7.8 magnitude earthquake has been measured. It struck south uh, southeast Turkey and uh, also part of Syria. It's been labeled the most powerful in almost a decade. What is the actual devastation?
0: Wow, this story is really uh, heartbreaking and was really a shocker. You know, this earthquake was announced and now they've confirmed that over 4,300 people have been confirmed dead. Hmm. and that they're expecting the numbers of uh, dead to increase rapidly. And there are still a lot of search and rescue operations following these two earthquakes, which happened uh, almost simultaneously. And that's, that's, that's the situation right now. Um, it's being covered all around the world. The UN envoys says that, you know, they're trying to reach all Syrians in the territory of Syria to try to help them with this particular issue. And that's really... Um, where things stand right now in terms of the latest news. Um, and it's really a tragedy uh, that mm. nobody really expected to add to a lot of the global dynamics um, which have been happening really because of what's happening in the world. And now, you know, with Syria as well, if you remember, we've had a lot of... Um, global issues caused by Syria indirectly because of the Arab Spring, the pushback by, um, you know, Assad uh, to the protesters, the rise of ISIS, and then the mass exodus of people from Syria into, um, you know, Turkey and the rest of Europe, which then led to increased anti-foreigner sentiment in, you know, Europe leading to the far-right parties, leading to Brexit. And this particular, uh, you know, crisis, Will also, you know, create a refugee crisis uh, as a result of that. Because how are you going to reach the people in Syria? What kind of relief do they need? It's a dictatorship. There's a lot that's going on. It's mm. unsecure. It, it was very unlucky, I think, for this to happen to Syrians who have already, since 2011, been going through quite a lot. If you think about it, they, we think we had like nine refugee years and five, you know, more disappointing years maybe. But if you think about what the Syrians have been going through since 2011, you know, that's part of that Arab Spring. They have really been going through a difficult decade and they're now going to a decade and a half.
1: Previous reports were showing most of the death toll as being on Turkey's side. Is that still the case?
0: Well, it's unclear right now where exactly. Um, there's also the last number. I'm trying to get the latest information that's being updated. So 2,379 confirmed dead in Turkey and 1,444 in Syria from the last um, updates. Uh, And this is, I think, uh, from about 3.30 that I'm looking at.
1: Mm. More than 12 countries then are mobilizing support. Uh, Who are the, uh, well, some of them, we're not going to go through all 12, some of the world leaders that have come forward?
0: Yeah, well, we're seeing uh, uh, countries like Sweden, countries like the United Kingdom. uh, Joe Biden has spoken already to the Turkish president trying to say that they will be uh, giving support. You've got search and rescue teams from the U.S., Canada, Israel, Russia, China. These are all the nations that have been offering to say that we are going to provide assistance. But one of the alarming things that I'm mm. seeing here is that they're expecting the death toll to get all the way up to 20,000 people. Mm. And that's a projection. Hopefully it doesn't get that bad you know, uh, but it looks as if this is, this is going to be a serious thing. And then, um, you know, when you have a massive set of earthquakes like this, or one earthquake, depending on how you want to geologically look at it, you also have what are called aftershocks. Yes. And there have been hundreds of those uh, smaller aftershocks which have been resisted by seismologists. And that also, you know, creates create a lot of harm. So we're focusing, obviously, right now on, the number of lives lost, because life obviously is but also the level of destruction and rebuilding that will have to happen, you know, is, is, is quite serious. And um, I think one of the saving graces is that the Turkish nuclear plant, which is under construction, was not damaged by the earthquake, because that would have just made, you know, a bad situation particularly worse. But yeah, that's the news that everyone has been dealing with, you know, in terms of just global events.
1: Hashtag Grammy winners. Let's talk entertainment now. The winners for 2023, they've been revealed as the event took place last night. 91 categories in these awards. And of course, we celebrate uh, our South African musicians for winning there. Vota Kellerman, uh, Zex Bandwini and Nomkai Bozgode, who won for their collaboration on a song called Bayete. Uh, Wonderful stuff. Hosted by also a South African, Trevor Noah.
0: Yeah, so I think the big news starts with Trevor Noah, you know, he's been able to really get into the VIP of Hollywood. You know, in Hollywood, there are so many levels,
1: mm. you know,
0: and he now seems to be an a so to speak, somebody who can handle this level of revenge, this mm. level of gravitas, you know. Um, so that, that was a massive massive. I think if mm. there was a Grammy for you know that, he, Trevor would would definitely have it. So that's the first thing. And obviously, you know, South Africa did very well having won that award. It did come with a little bit of controversy, though, that song, because uh, it it beats Burner Boys' Last Last. And social media was discussing whether or not, you know, it was deserving of winning that particular uh, category. Because, you know, Last Last Is was one of the biggest songs last year. Mm. And many people had not heard this particular song. But a win is a win. And we have to celebrate all wins and, you know, we can't always be, uh, you know, looking too deeply into these things. But I thought it was worth mentioning that, you know, there was a side discussion around that. Some of the biggest winners of yesterday, Harry Styles, of course, uh, Beyonce, breaking some Grammy records themselves very strategic to come in with a dance album as opposed to just maybe a traditional pop album because then, you know, you get considered in new life. But uh, Beyoncé uh, had, had a very big night, and then Kendrick Lamar also had a big night in the rap category. And, you know, it was an interesting show. Many people were talking about the Grammy, so I was very fascinated myself to see that there's still a lot of interest in, in the Grammys. I've kind of, like, moved on from my Grammy group days But Mm. uh, that's not to judge anyone who was watching the Grammy. I was just like, you know, not going to wake up and watch the Grammys anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, it it was was great to see Africa doing well. I'm very happy that um, we still have, you know, this kind of growth in the Afrobeat category that we're beginning to see affirmation for African artists, you know, people like Thames, people like Ruth King. Yes, yeah, so she's flying the think.
1: Nigerian flag quite high, being the first Nigerian female to win a Grammy. So even if Bernaboy yes. didn't take that award, uh, the previous award, here's somebody flying the Nigerian flag high.
0: Of course, I mean, Bernaboy has won before. The, the year that he was, everyone thought he would win, he didn't win, when he won the because People maybe he shouldn't have won this year, you know, but it, it, this is the Grammy that's always discussions about who people think should have won and tempered at big night and I think what it's doing mm. is it's showing the world that there is this musical community that is as talented, if not more talented than you. You know, uh, Ben bunny for example, that is getting a lot of attention last year and the previous year from the awards and from mainstream America, but if you had gone to YouTube five years ago, his, his music videos were more watched than most of the biggest artists, you know, he was only moving to people like Justin Bieber in terms of the viewership. But that Latin America sound, you know, that South America sound had not been taken seriously by America. So they started acting like Brad Bunny was a big deal last year. He's been a big deal for, uh, you know, five to ten years. But the, the relevance of that is to say even though our own Afrobeats moment is as appreciated by Africans, and that you know we've got piano, we've got Afrobeats, we've got a lot happening in East Africa as well. You know, uh, diamond platinum, etc. The world is only now starting to find out that we have this level of brilliance, this level of depth, this level of talent, and I think it's only a matter of time before you start to see more and more Africans showing up in the regular categories, you know, yeah. best rap, best uh, pop. There's all of these things which are currently still looking very American-centric, you know, with a little dash of the United Kingdom. I think as time goes, we will start to also have yes. very good representation from Africa as well. Because we are one of the largest continents, you know, 1.4 billion people, and we consume a lot of this music, but they never really give our artists a respectful eye but that's changing because we had an african you know running the show we had cams winning wine as well we had uh, black coffee uh not black coffee so this one winning it was non and now you're beginning to see that hang on the africans are showing up all over the place in this ceremony in a way that they wouldn't have seven years ago and that's exciting for me i think we're going to keep seeing that happen
1: absolutely in the sports arts and culture department congratulating the south african musicians there and uh, beyonce one of the awards that she won, she was stuck in traffic on her way. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> that, getting an award. You're not even there to get it yet because you're in traffic. Everybody has problems. eh? Even the most awarded artist in Grammy history can be stuck in traffic. But let's Beyonce, leave it on that. <laughs> she
0: ended to be late. That's the problem. You can <laughs> just arrive on time and then go in the back room or something.
1: Yeah, because you know, you've been there so many times. You know how many cars are going to be there.
0: Maybe she in the, vicinity. the traffic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, mighty thanks again for joining us. Have a great Tuesday. My Jamie is researcher, analyst, and social political commentator discussing trending news. 41 minutes past four is our time.